Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Launching a book isn't easy, but it can also launch you into a whole new life. What's important now is that I am a best-selling author and that's awesome. I found my soul on this journey. I found my purpose, you know, in life. In this show, I talk to authors about how they launched and how it took them to the next level. Hi there, welcome to episode 318 of Launchpad Podcast, where I, your host, Anna David, talk to best-selling authors and the world's biggest entrepreneurs about books, how they launched them, what it did for their career, all of that stuff. Now, today I have an icon on the show. Seriously, say his name in the business world and watch people just bow down. His name is Jay Abraham. He is the world's highest paid marketing consultant. Want to know what that means? That means this is a man who was paid $30,000 for a day of his time. I'm not good at math, but this is a 45-minute episode, so you can break down how much this is worth. Um, He has significantly increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients in more than 1,000 industries. And his book, How to Get Everything You Can Out of Everything You've Got, is Uh, one of my favorite business books of all time. He's also somebody who's made millions from his book, not that book, another book that he sold. And we get into all of that, as well as his top launch recommendations, which include writing something very specific at the beginning of every business book, involving influencers in your writing process the whole way, and reading the positive and negative reviews of every book on your topic. Now, as usual, there are show notes. So if you would like links to Jay's books, uh, information about Jay, a transcript of this episode and links to this episode, go to launchpadpub.com slash blog slash Jay. And now I will give you Jay Abraham. So Jay, so excited that you're doing this. Um, I will say I am hold- the the listener cannot see this, but I am holding up uh, my favorite business book, and I am not just saying that. And it happens to be by you, uh, <laughs> getting everything you can out of all you've got. I would say I will also point out that you signed it to my favorite person in the world. But if I recall correctly, you said, "What do you want me to write?" And I told <laughs> you to write that. <laughs> I think that's true. That's funny. Um. So, so you are an icon to business people everywhere. So what I wanted to do is get your brain talking about how to successfully launch a book and what a book can do for your career. Now, this is your, your biggest book, correct? Uh, well, if you think about trade, we actually sold about a year before that, we sold three, uh, uh, 72,000 copies of a three hundred. 77 dollar book but we published that ourselves but 
that was my biggest one, but it was a very serious heavy duty book from a trade book. That was the biggest. And we've got a couple other ones that have come out since, but that one was the one that I think for its genre really did more to help people because it had so many examples and case studies and, and uh, illustrative uh, demonstrations of different techniques and mindsets being put to action that it was actually uh, and, uh, impossible for anybody who really wanted a benefit or a breakthrough not to get one if they just studied the examples. Uh, was that the sticking point? Or the sticking point was after that. And then after that was the CEO who can see around corners. And then I created... I don't know, five other ones that we never put out. I've got one that's uh, one that's called How to Get the Money for Your Great Idea and Startup and What to Do If You Can't, which we haven't done anything with. We have a collection of $2,500 uh, set called Super Books. We have one that's called Your Secret Wealth, which is a $500 book. And I, I create them and we don't do much with them, but uh, they're fun to force me to articulate my body of work. But the one you're holding is a wonderful book. It's got some outdatedness on the uh, internet part, but most everything else is, is universal. It's evergreen, it's enduring, and it's inspiring. And I can say that because I had a great ghostwriter that was more articulate than I, but it's a wonderful book. Um, I was rereading it like over the last couple of days and I was like, rest in peace, Neiman Marcus, because you give this great example of the customer service at Neiman Marcus and here they've just in this current crisis yeah. had to go away. Um, now, now talk to me about this, this selling a book for $500 or $300. Uh, tell me how that works. Well, it, it, it works well if you have the brand and the and the um, and the background to justify it. So when we sold uh, the three hundred seventy-seven dollar book, and we sold about twenty-eight million dollars worth, and I'm not saying it to be arrogant; it's clinical. It bought my beach house for me in one year. I had come from basically making millions and millions of dollars for my prominent clients. I was doing very expensive seminars. Back then, we sold it, it's been more than 10, 15 years now probably, but we sold it for a fraction of the $50,000 I was charging per day back then for private consulting. It had a great story, and I had great success stories to my name that were household words. So the ability to tell the story about the person, tell the story about what the book possessed, which was a distillation of my, my finest body of work, the, the summary of a $50,000 seminar, the, the quintessence of a $50,000 private consultation all rolled into one with very clear-cut instructions on how to apply everything. And uh, it was a great story that was told. And then we, there was a story on top of the story that the person that compiled it was a former client that we made we generated two billion dollars for and he took all my methodology and behind my back did this and we were going to sue each other but when I saw the work he did instead I gave him a royalty and took the book over and 
promoted it. So it had about three wonderful layers of story on top of it. And it was very, very unique. And my brand at the time, very frankly, was singularly probably in the entrepreneurial mecca, the the biggest there was justifiable. You know, I was, Tony Robbins was touting me in, uh, in Entrepreneur Magazine, Success Magazine, Forbes. I mean, everybody was. So I had all, you know, you talk about a perfect storm. It was a perfect positive storm. But I mean, that's a that's an anomaly. You might ask me a more relevant question for everybody, and I'll try to torque down my answers and make it more actionable for anybody. Well, but first I want to know, can people still get that book? Uh, we're thinking about re-releasing it. I, I saw somebody selling an old copy for a hundred dollars on, um, on Amazon a couple of months ago. I think it's still out there, but we're going to probably re-release it very, very modestly. I think that Russell uh, Brunson reprinted it with my permission and gave 600 to his top uh, mastermind group a couple of years ago. And there might be a few at the office, but I, I haven't been motivated. I mean, I was very big in my own and in also guiding clients for many, many years and in selling information, high priced expertise, seminars, books, manuals. And I just sort of burnt. So I've got tons of stuff we don't sell. We just sort of, uh, covet <laughs> in a possessive way, but I think we'll probably put it out again because it's a really cool book. It's a I'll make sure you get a copy, Brian. Find one or at least get her the digital version, and you can have it. And I'll send you a digital signature, an inscription. Okay. Saying you're still my favorite person in the world. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, now, okay, so let's talk about advice that can be applied to the any person releasing a book so you know like what you did with the book that i have with me right now how did you launch it what were your plans what worked what didn't work well i'll tell you what didn't work but it still was a great coup i launched i i sold it in the era when you got big advances from publishers which is not what uh, exists now and should not be the reason most of the people listening. Uh, is this audio, not video? It's audio, yeah. Yeah, so most people listening should not. You're not going to get a million-dollar advance unless you're very, very rare. I did something that I thought was so cool. I got a very big six-figure advance, but I also got the publisher to give me 20,000 copies of the book as part of my compensation. Wow, great. So I thought that was cool. But what I found, we took, I spent, I don't know what I spent. I sent 5,000 copies out to influencers. I put the other 15,000 in storage. And I ended up paying a fortune because I never figured out what else to do with it after that. But we basically, we, uh, we, we basically would go to all kinds of influencers and the deal would be the same way I got, maybe I should tell you how we got the first book so popular because I had 80 endorsers of the $377 book. Wow. This took me a long time, but it might be an interesting story. So I got somebody that I had helped back then. It was Nightingale Conant, who at the time was the largest publisher of audio 
books that were nonfiction. Mm-hmm. They published every business, every sales, every skill set uh, author out there, spiritual person. And I got them to send a copy of the book. I underwrote it to every one of their key authors with a letter saying that I wanted to buy that person two hours of my time. Hmm. And we denominated what that was worth, which back then I was getting $50,000 a day when I did a day. So whatever one eighth of 50 is times two, $12,000. And that Jay will treat it like you paid for it at the end of that period. If you are uh, in, Pressed beyond imagination because of what he shared, and you've perused the book. He would love only anything he shares is yours to use freely, but he'd love you to give him an endorsement. We did it to about 100 people, and I was fortunate. It took me a long time. It took me two full months of the investment, but we got 80 of the top people in the whole world to endorse me, and that's how we were able to sell $28 million. I think. What I did is probably not as relevant as what we would teach people today to do. And if I can respectfully, Anna, alter the question, I think your question might be better served your listeners if you said, Jay, what would you recommend somebody contemplating writing a book or writing a book needs to know mentally, strategically, uh, position-wise, to make that book the greatest catalytic uh, uh, career or income expander possible? Because I think that would be a pretty interesting question. I love it. Please answer that question. Well, the first thing is you've got to be able to preemptively denominate ideas or a positioning or a uh, proprietary way of looking at whatever your skill set is in a way that is unique and not just another me too. Ways to do it are easy. First of all, most people do not value the implication of their expertise. They don't look and say, they say, hey, I help people uh, fix their technology or I help people uh, get uh, better funnels on Facebook or I help people, uh, uh, you know, create a better financial uh, uh, retirement or, or wealth building strategy. But what they don't do is denominate and quantify the implication. And I would always start out with anybody I ever helped saying, okay, let's look at the impact of what you've done in both the lives of your clients as well as compared to the norm. And oftentimes there is no norm, so you get preemption right away. But if you say, okay, The average client I've served, we have either quadrupled their wealth or we have doubled their funnel conversions or we have whatever it is, number one. Then you take norm if there is a norm. And if there is no norm, you can ask a bunch of people and say, our research, I make this right in the beginning of the book and make it really the coolest part of the book. Oh, by the way, I will tell you one thing we did do in our book that sold it that I think everybody should do, but I'll make that in a minute. I think you want to start the book with a positioning so people know the payoff, and it's not just warm and fuzzy. You can say, I wrote this book because we realized that our 
ideas, advice, strategies, methodologies, su support, was outproducing the wealth creating capability of our uh, of our contemporaries by as much as 250 percent, with one half the risk, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, a 50 percent reduction in timeline. It made us feel like it, we were deserving, good deserving people trying to create more wealth by not getting this knowledge to you. It certainly is our hope that by studying the lessons or the methodology or the strategy that I uh, share freely and openly and hopefully clearly and actionably in this book, you will be able to uh, transform your economic future, perhaps as and when that happens, you might wish to contact our offices and uh, and explore us even helping you multiply that or refer people. But that is not the primary driver. The primary driver of me writing this and you reading it should be that your wealth creation is enhanced above and beyond the maddening crowd, above and beyond the you know the normal, something like that, Anna. That's amazing. I have a book coming out July 15th and I just took notes because I'm like, I could get it reprinted with that in the beginning. Well, I always do that for people. And then I take, I take uh, and, and turn intangible into tangible. I talk about why you want to learn what I know. You want to learn what I know because I know how to take whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, however you're doing it, the market you're doing it to, and the results you're getting and multiply them by 50%, 100%, in some categories, orders of magnitude with less investment risk or time. And because you should always want to operate in the exponential zone, in the optimal zone, you need to learn how to make your time, effort, opportunity, investment, pay the greatest current and future yield dividend you can. And that's what this book is all about. It's taking whatever you're doing and multiplying what it does for you. In the case of me, it's taking your business instead of you having to work harder and harder for it, reversing it and making the business work, work harder and harder for you. It's making that business not just an income generator, but a wealth creator, an asset through the same effort or less, the same time or less. And you set up a whole different reference frame that is incomparable, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's amazing. So what else do you do? You put that at the beginning of your book. What are some well, other things? One of the things that we always did, and I'll tell you the story because it does go to how we sold the first book. When you sell a book to a, a, a trade publisher in the, in the past, when you're trying to get a big advance, you give them an executive summary of the book. Yeah. And it's basically a distillation of the big overview of the book. And then it's what every chapter will be all about. And it's a, a sample chapter. 
And we did that and we purposely front end loaded the best stories and the best examples and the best case studies into every summarized chapter example. And it was compelling enough that we got many people to offer. And I told you, I got a great, I got a great, I thought package. I had to figure, I still have 500 books sitting in, in gathering dust that I'm paying for. And this is 10 years later. But when we decided to write the book, we actually took the executive summary and we put it in the very front and made that chapter one. And the publisher was a little bit peeved. He said, well, why didn't you make it new and, and different? And my response was, if this 25 pages or whatever it is, you can read whatever it is, it's the first chapter, was compelling enough to get six-figure advance from you plus 20,000 books, it's probably compelling enough to get a $25 spend from somebody perusing it in the bookstore. Good point. Good so point. we try to front-end load the book so it will really captivate. You want um, the first chapter to be almost an overview of the whole thing and have the best example stories, connectivity, and, and fast-paced movement so I'm hooked already, if that makes sense. Yeah, and especially on Amazon where people can read the first chapter before yes. buying. Yes, and you want to, I believe you want to go, if you can, you want to create proprietary phrases for that, which may be very generic. You want to lay claim to certain things and you want to uh, articulate them in unique ways that give you uh, a proprietary hold on those phrases. But what you want to be able to do is two things. You want to share with people perspectives on your skill set that no one else has in ways no one else has. And while you're doing it, you don't want it to be abstract. You want to constantly share with them what the implication of that knowledge means. A, a good example is I helped uh, Damon John's uh, co-author when he wrote uh, The Power of Broke. It was very, it was very cool, but I helped fix, uh, and I think he would acknowledge this, it's not me talking out of school, and it became a very good bestseller, but I helped him fix a couple of, I thought, uh, gaps. The first one was the opening was very, in my opinion, originally rudderless. I wanted it to be right out of the gate. Hey, we created this for this. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's what you should get out of it. Here's what you will be transformed and redefined to do when you're done with it. Then, after every chapter, we summarized at the bottom the key takeaways. So they didn't have to figure out what they just learned and what the implication was. And then at the end, we went right back and reviewed everything they had learned and the implication and put it all together and help them see what to do first, second, and third, so that they and were at a full circle. Where did you put that information that you put all together as a separate No, document? no, no. So we changed the first chapter, right? And it was the positioning of why, what, how, and, and, and uh, the implication. Then every chapter, we summarized the five or six key elements into just bulleted talking points at the end in a little Johnson box. Mm -hmm. Then we had it added. A last chapter was, oh, was, was, and I, had, I think it was called, if you have his book there, I think it was called Putting It All Together. 
or something that basically connoted and conveyed, now we're going to take it all and put it into action. Well, I, that's amazing. I also have now having new ideas for what I'm going to do with my upcoming book. Okay. So I wanted to tell you in terms of uh, coining phrases, my new book is called a bizwar. That is, is the it? genre I have coined okay. uh, because it's a combination memoir and business book. Oh, that's Proprietary interesting. Proprietary phrase. I thought you'd like it. That is good. I like that a lot. It's very cool. I like it. Very yeah, cool. I mean, and the rationale is that I loved reading memoirs, but there was there were no takeaways that yeah. I could apply to my life. And I That's love great. reading business I love that. books. Yeah. And, and, and again, but if you if you don't establish that in the beginning, and then throughout, say, now I'm hoping you're loving the story, but even more importantly, I'm expecting you to be able to grasp the implication, the lesson, and the action message that is the essence, but just in case you don't, let me share a little summary here. Okay, okay, I'm doing it. And if listeners, you're hearing mad typing while Jay's talking, it's because I need to put this into today in my book. Um, One thing that I remember you talking about at traffic and conversion, I think it was three years ago, at a party where you <laughs> had to talk at a party of yeah. hundreds and hundreds of people. Not an easy challenge. And you talked about how the best thing, and you weren't actually talking specifically for authors, you were talking about for entrepreneurs, go to books that are written about your topic and look at the negative Amazon reviews. Can you talk about that? Sure. But there's more to it than that. So with, with uh, total respect, I, I think if I give you the big idea and all the variations of it, it will, it will spawn a lot of wonderful uh, and, and, uh, and more elevated successes for everybody that listens. So many years ago, I came up with a concept that has very many variations or permutations. I call it the Amazon.com school of, and then you can fill in the blank, marketing, research, business, competitive success, whatever you want to call it. The essence is this. If you take the category of business or of, of anything you're in, if you talk about a book, and then you go to Amazon and you take every category that is similar, related, uh, example, if you were in fitness, you could take fitness, weight loss, exercise, diets, uh, uh, nutrients, and you first of all look for three years, this year and two years back, the 20 or 25 bestsellers, and you, and you identify the titles and the subtitles and you strip them out. You should collect those because many books sell, very frankly, better because of the titles and the promise than they do the content. Then you go inside and you strip out all the chapter titles because oftentimes those chapter titles, if they're well-conceived, equally uh, stimulate the reader. Then you go to Amazon reviews, and I believe they are zero to five now. They used to be one to 10. And you look at all the one, excuse me, all the zeros and all the fives. And the reason you do is when people are passionate, 
happy, passionate, or unhappy, passionate, you will find that their subconscious overrides their conscious and very beautifully, eloquently, dimensionally, uh, uh, succinctly, but powerfully, their subconscious allows them to express their joy or disappointment in outrageously articulate words. You know, some will use vulgarity, but if you cut that out. So when people are unhappy because they did not get what they expected or it was a letdown, they will express that fact and the reason why and what it was anticipated to be and what it wasn't. When they got over-delivered, they will express that. So if you go through a bunch of books on a bunch of related subjects and you strip out headline, sub-headline, chapter titles, then you 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 scrape and aggregate left and right. Left is all the negative, right is all the positive, and then I'll take it a couple of levels deeper, Anna. Then what you do is you go to any author in the category site, you look at reviews, then you look at review sites on the macro topic, and you do the same. Now, you possess a a, a, a resource that is priceless. You have now control of the subconscious mind of the target audience. You know how to express in words, phrases, and language patterns that which no one else has ever shared in copy that penetrates through all the resistors right past the conscious mind and right to the core quintessence, the, the catacomb of, of receptivity, so you can express in your marketing, in your copy, in your, in your book, what they want and what they don't want and why, and it allows you to be so resonant. You can resonate with people. One of the keys to one of the uh, many distinctions that I created earlier in my life, which is preeminence, the strategy of preeminence, Anna, is the ability to put into words thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, aspirations, graphic imagery that people are striving to either get closer to or away from, but have never, ever put into words. Because if you are the first person who can articulate that, their subconscious goes, he or she really understands me. That's really what I want. That's really what I don't want. Wow. And buy-in is automatic. So I don't know if that helps answer your question. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, another another uh, idea that I've heard you talk about a lot is, and it's, and it's in, it's in uh, how to use everything you've got, this idea of applying the principles of one business to another business and how that can just make you exponentially grow. Yes. What are, so, what are some businesses that could be applied to the publishing business and specifically to book launches? Oh, Jesus. I mean, my work has been in over a thousand industries. And so I created years ago something called Funnel Vision versus Tunnel Vision. And it's taking all kinds of elements from other industries and then basically combining them together into hybrids and then applying them to applications or industries where they've never been known. So, uh, you know, one of the things that you could do if you're, if you are 
trying to get a book established in the mind of a certain target audience is you can identify who already has that audience's uh, trust and direct access, go to that person, company, influencer, and ask them if you underwrite it, if they will buy a copy of the book for their, you know, whatever they are, whoever you're trying to reach, and if they will send a corresponding letter that you will write that they will have uh, uh, editorial approval on, and if you want to take it to an even more uh, sublime level, if they will invite the people once they have perused the book to participate in a high-level online briefing, which I think is a lot better than a, a Zoom webinar. I think that phrase is pretty trite. And then follow up. One of the things, by the way, just a, a quick uh, thing we've done very successfully, when someone is writing a book, it's normally not a uh, uh, a one-week or a one-month process. Is it, Anna? No, it's definitely not. And so most people don't see that there's a huge opportunity that you can gain in the process of writing it, and it's pretty pretty cool. And I always dealt in uh, the geometry of a business where you can get many times more leverage. So as you are writing a book, you normally have an overriding outline, and then you start with presumably chapter one, two, three, or section one, two, three. Is that correct? Sure, yep. Okay, so what I have people do when they're trying to write a book, if they possess meaningful uh, expertise or superior knowledge, is we target a number of key influencers that we would hopefully later want to monetize. But we write them and tell them that we are in the process of writing what we hope will be a cutting-edge book that will address such and such a topic from a slant and a perspective very different and will open up vistas of new opportunity or application, but we're not sure. And it's important to us because this was our life work and we don't want to underserve the recipient buyer when it's finally out. And we also uh, don't want our, uh, our uh, subjective perspectives to be the only influence in the final creation of the content in the manuscript. So if they would be willing, we ask them if we can send them every month on average one new chapter as we release it for them to review and critique back. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, you're getting, in, let's say the average book has 12 or 14 chapters. Instead of sending a book that they may or may not read, if you send them a chapter a month and then the final book with an inscription thanking them for all their input, now you've had 13 to 15 different interactions with them. Mm-hmm. And they're emotionally invested in the outcome because yeah. they have proprietary. And they give you perspective. And that perspective, if you are open-minded, is constructive critique that will make the book better and better. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, they're so invested, they're probably, not all of them, but if you, sell, if you chose a 1,000 people to receive it, and the great news is you send it out digitally in the beginning, sending a digital book is probably a waste sending 
20 pages of a digital digital chapter probably will get read if you do it right. Yep. Yeah. And so if you do it correctly, some of these, uh, these what you'd call critiquers will also turn into endorsers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blurbers. So yeah, so it's a it's a it's a great strategic way to really get many times more value than the book itself. I love that. I love that. Um, another another thing you've talked about that really stuck in my mind in Ra- Rachel Bell's podcast. I think it's called something with Ray Ray. Uh, you were her first episode. You talked about a story. You told a story about two different business people who sold diamonds yes will you tell that story it's a long one but i will if you want to hear it okay it's well condensed version maybe all right well it's 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 a personification of understanding the difference between being tactical and being strategic because most people are very tactical in everything they do and the way they look at every business uh uh endeavor that they that they embrace so it's a true story. I have one is deceased now, two friends who both were interested in getting involved in simulated diamonds, uh, cubic zirconium, when it first came out. One was a brilliant copywriter, and one was, but he was tactical. One was a brilliant strategist, and he was an okay copywriter. Copywriter super guy was the first one to go into it. He wrote a full-page ad and created a company that he called the Beverly Hills Diamond Company, and he gave a proprietary name to his one-carat loose cubic zirconium, and he called it the Beverly Hills Diamond, and he sold it for $39 in a very, very, very powerful full-page ad that he ran in uh, the Los Angeles Times one weekend. And that ad cost him $25,000, and as I recall, he brought in about 45000 And when all the dust settled, he made about ten, but ten wasn't enough to excite him. And he, he stopped right then. <clears throat> he had fulfilled, but he stopped. Friend two watched it, and he was not, friend two was not as good a copywriter, nor was he as good a, a wordsmith, but he was a brilliant strategist. So he did his version of a full page ad. He called his company Van Pliss and Tiffany, which was a take on Van Cleef and Arpel and Tiffany's. He created the Van Pliss diamond, same thing, a loose one carat cubic zirconium that was uh, $39. When friend one, who was the good advertising writer, but the tactician would send his loose stone out, he just threw it into a a crappy little corrugated little cardboard box and sent it out UPS with nothing in it. Friend two did something very different. Oh, by the way, friend two spent 25 grand and instead of getting 45, he barely got, I think he got 35 and and he lost about $4,000. Friend one made 10, quit. Friend two lost four, but here's what he did. He was strategic. When friend one sent his product out, it was just in an ugly little box, no commentary. That's it. Friend two sent a very 
beautiful box inside a very nice envelope. Inside the box was a velvet jeweler's bag that inside was this loose stone. And there contained two very interesting documents. The first document was a letter from friend one, or two, excuse me, who was the CEO of the company. And it started by acknowledging and thanking the recipient, the buyer, for having had blind faith to take uh, a chance and buy this loose one carat stone. It also forewarned the buyer that before, oh, that it, it acknowledged this. It said, before you take the stone out of the, the, the velvet jeweler's case, I should tell you, you are going to be amazed at how much more fiery, brilliant, electrified and 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 uh, sparkly it is and it's going to be beyond your expectation by orders of magnitude but then it said however you might be a little bit taken because the stone might seem smaller than you expect when people see it they uh, don't quite understand why and I want to pre-tell you it's because to get that level of almost incendiary brilliance you have to make the stone denser so it weighs more per space so it's smaller than you might expect but far more beautiful when our clients see the beauty and the correlation of size they almost all immediately come back to us and ask us if we have five and 10 and 20 carat loose stones that they can purchase and then take to their jeweler to set in rings and necklaces and earrings and other and pendants. And because of that, and because we observe that when they do that, their local jewelers charge them a, a huge premium, not necessarily overcharge, but a huge premium. We, because we are manufacturing jewelers, decided to take some of our most exquisite 5, 10, 20 carat stones and preset them in 14, 18 carat settings, rings, necklaces, earrings, pendants, uh, bracelets. And so what you will find accompanying is a catalog of beautiful Van Plis preset uh, jewelry with certified Van Plis stones in it that we are offering at prices we know because we've compared are approximately 50% less than a reputable jeweler would charge you. More importantly, because you have shown blind faith, we want to reward you. So if you would like to exchange your loose stone for something larger and set, we will give you double credit of what you paid and enclosed is a prepaid return envelope with an order form. And also, finally, we will not consider this purchase complete and binding on your part until you've owned whatever jewelry you select from the catalog above and have had at least 60 days to wear it. And unless you get raving compliments from your friends, from... Um, from uh, uh, people on the street, at restaurants, at work, and if you take it to a jeweler to ask him or her to replace it for another friend 
you don't get a quote that's twice what we charged you, we won't even feel deserving of keeping your money. You can send it back for a refund. So that was the difference. Friend one, you will remember, spent 25 grand, generated about 45, made 10 and quit. Friend two spent 25 grand, lost 4,000, but in year one net made 25 million because he was strategic. That's the difference. It's a long story, but it's an interesting story. Do you think that could be applied to books and book launches? That lesson? Well, I mean, being strategic is always, uh, it, I mean, it, strategy will trump uh, tactics always. One person gets a book and then they, you know, they send it out or they try to sell it. They don't do things that are strategic. If you basically think of all the different ways you can make that book more valuable, you can make the message more meaningful. You can make the implications of the expertise more, uh, more uh, personal. You can make other people be advocates and give it away you, or buy it for them. You can make uh, uh, the book and your expertise tied into collaborations where you can get other people who have access to communities, influencers, audiences, and you can have them do things for you that are unique that you can monetize and then share back. I mean, I can go through hours of that, of course. Um, well, this has been fantastic. Uh, if let, let's as we wrap up, do you have three tips that you could summarize uh, the most important tips for a book launch, a successful book launch? Well. <laughs> A successful book launch has many different meanings. In maybe your world, and it's not the world that I normally operate in, it might be doing a regular launch where you put it out everywhere and you have 9 million people give you, you know, give you bonuses and the like, and that's fine. But I think that, that a book should be used as a very precious vehicle for establishing your superiority your uh, either economic or, or measurable value to somebody's life or business or health or whatever, you need to revere it because if you don't revere it, there's no way your audience can. You need to be able to know that the book itself without the right positioning item, which can be the cover letter or the, uh, or the offering email is going to be uh it's going to be uh suboptimal i'm gonna go on and on but there's a couple mm -hmm. well jay oh what one final question what have you seen books do for people's careers you know in your case 28 million dollars from that one book but for somebody who doesn't make a great necessarily great revenue from the book how have you seen books transform people's careers I, I don't think books are intended to make a lot of revenue unless you're a very special you know rarefied author i think they are positioning to get you distinction to get you relevance to get you superior uh preemptive preeminence to get you access to audiences, to get you extricated from uh, the generic, uh, 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 what I call it, there's the commodity sphere of people doing whatever you're doing. They are a way for you to gain collaborative access to 
other influencers who have markets that could benefit you. They are a front end that can get you clients, can get you seminar attendees, can get you coaching clients, can get you, uh, you can use them to get a job. I mean, you can yeah. use them, you can use them to get invitations to all kinds of things. I mean, I, I am known, but I can, with all, all due respect, I can get, if I want to go to any kind of event, Anna, I mean, it doesn't really matter whether it's a 25,000, whether I know them or they just know of me, I can almost always use my stature. And if I want to go myself and one guest is always, you know, always extended and I've never paid, I mean, wherever I can go to anybody's mastermind, I can go to anybody's $30,000 program. So it gives you, it's, it's a, it's like the Willy Wonka and the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. I love that. And if people want to find out more about you, is where's the best place to go? I mean, you're everywhere, but where's the number one? Yeah, well, place? there's two places, depending. We have a, a, currently a website that has an enormous amount of content. We're, getting, we're going to remove a lot of it because I became too generous of a contributor and people stopped buying our, our products because we gave too great a stuff away, but there's a lot of wonderful things on there. and It's abraham.com. And then there's another one we just started called jayabraham.com that has a very modestly priced daily mentoring service on it. And it's got some cool things too and a couple of really cool short course programs. So they go either jayabraham.com, abraham.com, I mean, uh, or they can just look my name up online because thousands of people have knocked me off and publish all my material on their site. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just Google entrepreneurship and, and please listeners get this book, getting everything you can out of all you've got. It's, it's helped me more than any business book I've ever read. And I, I mean that because I've never said that to anybody else. Um, I'm very proud of you. You've done a great job. And uh, it sounds like you're helping a lot of deserving people gain greater, uh, Stature, prosperity, uh, uh, enjoyment out of and, and economic fulfillment out of their careers, and that's wonderful. And so, by the way, since we were talking about this before I was recording, thank you for that. Uh, the the Jay was so instrumental. So about a year and a half ago, I really hustled to try to get on his podcast and I sat there with him and he said, what is your business? And I told him and he said, with all due respect, you don't really have a business because I did it then. And he was just so instrumental, you know, and basically gave me, you know, thousands of dollars worth of free advice in, you know, half an hour. And my business is now generating half a million dollars a year. And so that is the kind of value he provides. So thank you so much. For You're very welcome. And thank you for the acknowledgement. But it's only possible if you do the work and you obviously did the work. I have to be on another uh, client call, but I hope this had value for you and your It was family. amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. You're and, very uh, welcome. And listeners, I hope you got everything out of that and more. 